0: NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders, woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. Save with Conrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out, no house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com.
2: What's up, airheads? We're back in the virtual Airstream studios. I'm Trey Crowder. That's Corey Ryan Forster. Hello, Trey. Are you, are you doing there, Corey? Oh, i Do you know what region of Britain this is from? What I'm doing here? Because I don't. I oh, do not. No, I don't either. I was just
3: going to take a guess and say it was a Brummie accent, but I don't think it is. I don't no, know what think I'm doing. I think Brummie.
2: Either. I think Brummie's a Birmingham I think it's one yeah right that's Peaky Blinders yeah Peaky fucking Blinders which that also you tell him to fuck off that's what you do and that sounds like John Lennon too right is that where he's from no they're all famously from Liverpool from Liverpool Liverpool, you're right John Lennon I'm in the Beatles right but but they kind of have that to it don't they where it sounds like everything's a question right they definitely have that yeah, sing-songy, isn't it? Just yeah, them right. with the, toodling around with the boys, you know. With, with those how those.
3: sing-songy their shit is, like more every day, I realize that how duh it is that our people came from there. You know, like especially with them and the Scottish, like I, I start like we all know that they say like, yeah, a lot of British actors get to play Southern people because the accents are like very close. But like the more it, like watching Ted Lasso with like Keely Jones, which she has that sort of mm-hmm. trash, you know, accent, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there playing it out in my mind, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can totally see how that turned into. I'll tell you what, motherfucker, goddamn, and
2: dip, you know. Yeah, me too. Do you know? And I, I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade here. I I, I would not have ever known. We would never. It. I read I read this on the internet. I love Jamie Tart right on Ted Lasso. You know, it's, like, it's poopy, Coach. You know, Keeler. I love God. his accent. Me too. I've read people. I've read Brits on the internet say it's not at all accurate or good. And I, you know, wait, where's not, he from? You know, have, he's from. And see, that's the thing, right? That. He's from the UK, but he's not right. from the part of the UK that the accent he's doing is from. So he's still faking that accent. Yep. And I've read people, I've read pe- Brits from the at region he is doing in real life. I've read them say, "Like, look, it's funny, and I love the character, but it's like not even close, though." Well, damn, accent. And I don't, that- I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying, it, it's like we talk about. You know how other people don't notice a terrible southern accent? Yeah, but we do. But but, but it drives me fucking crazy, right? Well, I, I think British people are like that with their accents too because it's wild because it's a tiny little island, but they've got as many different so fucking many. accents as we have in this whole gigantic Without country. Without question. Without question.
3: Um, and You know what? But we like, can't
2: tell the difference. Like, surely they can tell the difference in, like, a Minnesota versus a yep. New York versus a Texas accent, right? Like, they're, those are very fucking different. I think they but know that me, they're different. Like, I don't know the they point out. To the equivalent of that out. is Irish, Scottish, English, right? Yes, right. Those are the three. And, but within each of those, and especially yep. within English. North, and, South. You know, people in Tennessee talk different, people in Georgia talk different, people in Alabama talk different, people in Louisiana or whatever. That's true, but like... I don't know. It's still wild, but that you can't. They've got so many different ones, and I can't. I couldn't. I cannot listen to it and tell you like that's a Brummy, that's a Jordy, that's a, right. a Scouse. I can tell I the Northern I one now th- a little bit better. That's Yorkshire. I don't. Yeah. I can tell Cockney. Yeah, because it's like if they talk like Brummy a little bit, maybe. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. Yeah. That I've and got then a there's couple- RP received pronunciation. Which mm. that's the uh, that's the that's the classic aristocratic posh British accent. The um, my dear boy. That's yeah that. I, yeah, I have a couple Receives things pronunciation. To, a Couple
3: things to say to that. Uh, number one on the southern accents, like yeah, they are very different, and people from the South, especially we know because we make videos that go out to the masses. I've been told so many times that I'm not from Georgia by people that are like from Georgia, because oh, yeah. apparently happens to me too my perti- yeah, my particular, and, and by the way, some people say it not denying the fact that I am Southern. They're just like, I'm from that region. And, and you actually, you sound more like you're from Alabama. And I, I guess that's because like, you know, my grandmother and her people, they like were from Alabama. And then I've got some people from over here. So like my accent is like an amalgamation of all that shit. But on the second note that I wanted to say, with Jamie Tart, like, I'm sure they had their reason, but, like, why not just let the guy do his British accent and not have to worry about it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, was it that important?
2: Is, my assumption is they probably wrote the character as being from right. whatever that region is. He, the actor, goes in and auditions probably with that accent, Yeah, that, you know, and just because that's how the character's written – yeah. showrunners no, right. ted lasso are american right? right like i mean bill lawrence is american jason sudeikis is american whatever so like they probably didn't even notice and then they're like yeah and then at that point they're just in it you know what I i'm fucking stupid. love the guy i love the guy he's got so my I'm, favorite again, accent I'm, I'm saying like and i'm not saying that i'm saying i've i've read people saying that who purport to know but like you said i've also if you read in my comments, you'll see people saying, I'm born and raised in Tennessee, and this son of a bitch ain't from Tennessee. That's clearly a fake accent, yeah. and it drives me up the fucking wall. Uh, so it, just because people say it on the internet don't mean shit. No, and I just realized I that— read that, though.
3: I just realized that basically what I said was, yeah, I mean, this guy's playing someone from the American South, but why not just let him use his Minnesota accent? It's pretty close. You know what I mean? Like, that's basically what I just said, and you just don't think about it from— their point of view but i do i love the way that he talks it's fucking that's so if that's fake not good i'm for that fake not good
2: yeah me too i do like it uh later in this show uh, my venn diagram sort of it's the venn diagram is broken in present day it's not true (laughs) at all anymore but it used to be true for a long time that fancy people and trash overlapped with Fighting wars, mm-hmm. um, or going to war. Um, so we're gonna talk about that a little bit, which some which leads into uh Professor Cho's topic, which is Operation Mince Meat. I've one hundred percent heard of that before. I know I have, but I kinda I know you have
3: heard of it. Uh, there's been it two is. movies. Yeah. And uh right. and I was just so Fortunate to me and Amber were on the couch deciding what movie that we wanted to watch. And I was, as usual, in like a pretty World War II mood. And uh, we sat down, turned this one on, and immediately I was like, I, I loved it so much. And I was like, well, fucking this works double. I'm talking about this shit on POA. So yeah, Operation Mince Meat.
2: But first, uh, do you know what a white elephant is? Like the gift well, yeah, but, you know, elaborate.
3: Like you're talking about, like, white elephant, like, cause that's a Christmas gift where every, hold on. What is it? it, it, it there's, so there's, there's, chi- there's the Chinese Christmas where everybody gets <laughs> one and then you try, and then you, what did I break up or something?
2: No, I just, y'all got a thing called Chinese Christmas? Well, no, 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 no. Like- that's, the, different the, wacky Christmas?
3: <laughs> no, no, no. Like, so China, the China—that's funny. But and I'm sure that it's not politically correct to call it that. But like, there's there's different. You know, at Christmas, like if there's a bunch of people, they often do the whole like everybody gets a gift and then you trade them. You know? Well. I've heard that be called Chinese Christmas before. I have no idea why. I guess the reason was that somebody's like, this is different and don't hit. It must be Chinese. That's what, (laughs) that seems how that always goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's another word for it that I can't remember, but it's, you know, but, but white elephant is where you get, everyone draws a name and you get a certain person and you give it to them. And then that's your white elephant person.
2: Right, which I've mostly heard that called Dirty Santa with or, yeah. or is it Dirty Santa? Dirty Santa or Crazy Santa or Chinese Santa, Chinese
3: Santa. <laughs> <laughs> uh Got
2: them reindeer on a rickshaw, baby. But that's also wait, no, no what shit. It, what you just described is Secret Santa. Secret
3: Santa, not Chinese Santa. No,
2: <laughs> pretty <laughs> different. But I, but that's also, no, that's not the trading. The, the is trading it with fucking Chinese dirty
0: Cooper? Santa? Maybe.
2: I've, ne- I've literally never heard Chinese Christmas before. Hold but on. the, but white elephant, yes, it's the one, that's the one where you like, you steal gifts from people.
3: Stealing gifts. Yeah. Steal Christmas gifts. That's we a white a,
2: elephant gift exchange yeah yeah you're right that that
3: that is yeah that's white elephant
2: okay but yeah no when you have a yeah what you described men go a secret santa white elephant is also called dirty santa or a yankee swap i'm yankee swap totally you sure you never heard that did you i've heard
3: yankees no i'm thinking have you really
2: yeah because it was on an episode of the office Okay, I was about to say. That's the uh, only I'm reason like, why. I'm, I, right. I'm utterly unsurprised. We would not call anyone. that. We would never. <laughs> no, n- <laughs> never. No one would <laughs> no. ever call it that. We it's would like, literally we call it Chinese, Chinese Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Hell, call it Mexican if you want to. I'm not doing a fucking Yankee swap. <laughs> not Yankee. Swap. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's true, too. It's funny and true. It's funny um, and true. The goal of the White Elephant Exchange is to entertain partygoers rather than gain a genuinely valuable or highly sought after item. Like I remember one time we went when, when before I moved away and everybody had kids and all that shit. We did Friendsgiving every year in uh, Salina and I'd we had a big white elephant thing. And I remember uh, <laughs> I, I would bring I would print off and frame pictures of Joe Diffie. Right. Yeah. It's a good uh, gift. And and sign them. Right as like, Joe Diffie, as Joe Diffie, <laughs> <laughs> with like real vulgar thing. Like I only, I'm sorry to everybody. but The only one I can remember was it said, uh, "The smaller the titties, the sweeter the pussy." Joe Diffie. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: In my brain, it was going to be something like, "Tell your mama's pussy," I said, "Hey, Joe I, Diffie." Wait, yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> kidding. I'm not kidding. One of the other years, I did sign it with, "Tell your mama," Joe said, "Hey," or something yeah. like that. Like it was. <laughs> uh but anyway hey. by the way hold on just a second moment of silence oh yeah absolutely he's by the jukebox now boys i see it indeed propped up ideally but um anyway do you have any idea why they call it that have you ever thought about white? why they call it that white elephant like has that ever crossed your mind because it hadn't never crossed mine either but like well, there, there is a reason
3: If I'm going to go with like, just trying to use my logic, which I know anytime a question is posed to me, it's usually like, well, logic's not going to get you there. Otherwise the question wouldn't have been posed in the way that it was framed. The reason I would say is because like, okay, you've got Moby Dick, you've got white whale. That means the thing that he could never get, right? So maybe there's a similar tie to white elephant, the one you chase, but you can never get. So something along the lines of the game, you're always chasing the present that you're never going to get. Therefore it's the white elephant bad. That's all I got.
2: I mean sometimes when you're like I'm just going to use my logic here it is uh truly insane but that was <laughs> that actually made you know some amount of sense it's not at all correct but it does like <laughs> I follow You're saying follow usually what if I use thinking. my logic it's crazy yeah yeah uh Yeah, usually you end up somewhere, and I'm like, I have no idea how any of that (laughs) just happened, but okay. Uh, But that, what you just said, I did follow, but it's also not correct. No, it refers to the practice, or actually, the term white elephant refers to an extravagant, impractical gift that cannot be easily disposed of, right? The phrase comes from the historical practice of the king of Siam, now known as Thailand. The king of Siam granting cor- courtiers, courtiers, you know, courtiers members of his yeah. court. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, his court, courtiers. Giving the members of his court that who had displeased him, who had pissed the king off. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd be like, I hey, guess what? I'm giving you a present. And he would give them a white elephant, uh, like a literal, actual white elephant. Like an albino right? elephant or there are white elephants? I guess I don't know if they're extinct or if they're still a thing or what, but I guess in Thailand they had white elephants or maybe they were albino. I don't know. But either way, they had enough of them that the king had, you know, a, you know, a enough surplus to give. of white elephants, <laughs> enough to give away, right? <laughs> uh, but they were considered um, like sacred and mm-hmm. revered, right? Uh, and And ostensibly it's a sign of the monarch's favor, right? It's like, oh, because these animals are sacred and revered. So it's a great, it's a great blessing to be gifted with one of the few white elephants, you know, royal white elephants. But what the fuck you going to do with a white elephant? Right. right? And you can't. And also you can't, you can't. Like you got to take care of it, right? You can't let the goddamn expense. king's sacred white elephant die. Yeah, you can't just like you can't just go and drop it off in the Walmart parking lot, the ancient Thai Walmart parking lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> like you got to. Now, you just have a gigantic fucking mammal that you have to take care of. Yeah. Or like get beheaded, basically. Yeah, right, right. Yeah.
3: It's like, it's like now, I mean, it's way different, but like I've seen people going off online about how, like, hey, when it comes to Christmas time, people are like, hey, animals are not gifts. Okay. Because unless you know for a fact, like, don't surprise someone with a puppy because you're oh, giving no. some, right. you're giving someone an expense that they have to now take care of, even though they didn't want to. Or this is sort of like, uh, if the King was doing this as a joke, this is sort of like when I gave my niece a piano the other day, cause I knew that it right. would piss off her parents, you know, right. like here, yes. enjoy
2: this fucker. Yeah. I mean, that would count as a white elephant gift. I do think it's thought that, uh, In Western society, the notion of a white elephant meaning what it means was popularized after an experience that P.T. Barnum, the famous, you know, uh, circus man.
3: The Vince McMahon of his day.
2: Yeah, that P.T. Barnum, an experience P.T. Barnum had after he was able to acquire the, quote, sacred white elephant of Burma, right, to add to uh, to his menagerie, circus menagerie, after much effort and great expense. He got the king of Siam to sell him the sacred white elephant of Burma. But when it was delivered, he was like, this elephant's just fucking gray with spots on it. This ain't goddamn white. This elephant don't hit, right? And so P.T. Barnum, who, based on everything I've read about him, I feel like deserved it, uh, got fucked over by the king of Siam. And it was like a story at the time that that had happened, and it involved a literal white elephant. So that's part of how, like white elephant came to mean what it means in is Western that the, society.
3: Is that the origin story of why P.T. Barnum started whipping elephants? Or had he already had
2: elephants? <laughs> you know bet, what I mean? I bet he was whipping elephants from day yeah. one, dude. Yeah. You gotta that make is- them... I mean, how are you gonna make them do the shit? You want them you know, walk in a circle with a clown ride on top a, of them yeah, or whatever. Yeah, ride you're a tricycle. Whip, you're gonna whip the shit out of them, dude. No other way dude, around it.
3: That is that is insane to think about because, like, that would be, like, what a Mariucci moment of, like the king gifts you something. And Mm. now, like, dude, taking care... Listen, I love dogs. Uh, I do. I had one. He passed away. I still haven't moved on. But, like, the reason that me and Amber didn't get a new dog is because we knew we were going to have a kid. And it's like, you know, it's not the biggest pain in the ass to take care of a dog, but it is something you have to do. I cannot imagine the upkeep on a goddamn elephant because, like... I mean, if the elephant's left to his own devices and he has nature to just eat and stuff in, like, he'll be fine. But if you have an elephant, that means that you're keeping him on your land, which means that he's going to run out of stuff that elephants like to eat. And I don't know—are elephants vegetarian? Are they—
2: Yeah, uh, okay. they, are, they are, but I remember—you uh, <laughs> probably don't remember, but in one of the very early episodes of this show— I talked about hunting like, you know, like rich people doing big game hunting and trash doing just, you know, deer hunting, hunting, whatever. In that episode, I'd found the story of this like British aristocrat who went to Africa to just kill every elephant in Africa (laughs) in like the 1800s (laughs) or something. And, uh, and like the way they justified it was they were like, they were like, listen, people don't understand. All right. First of all, this place is fucking lousy, lousy with elephants, all right? And secondly, you're right, elephants around, they fucking sit <laughs> on plants. They trample shit, all right? Like They we don't all, forget all, all, nothing. They, they never forget nothing. They <laughs> scream at mice, you know. <laughs> eat got all your peanuts. Eat friends. all your goddamn yeah. peanuts, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, it's always something with these motherfuckers, <laughs> right? So we decided to shoot them all in the head. Uh, but... <laughs> But anyway, to hear that guy tell it, elephants cause problems uh, with right. uh, with your plants, you know. So you got like an area. So you like you got the Thai aristocrat equivalent of a backyard, right? I right. mean, I figure I, he's got to put his tigers somewhere else. You of know? course, yeah, you it's can't have, have them there. Tigers, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tigers and the elephants in the same place, but if you got a Thai backyard with a fucking gigantic elephant in it, I mean, he gonna smush all your shit up, you know? Like, Yeah, and I assume... He's not gonna look good back there.
3: Yeah, he's also gotta have room for all the whimsical, skinny uh, Asians to be doing backflips through hoops, you know, Uh because that's in every one of their gardens. They've got all that, the old-school Cirque du Soleil, you know? I just watched Aladdin. Also,
0: chicks with
2: dicks.
3: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The best-looking ones! The (laughs) best-looking ones!
2: (laughs) I don't know. Did that's you ever hear Ron, Ron White tell that thing, story? Right? That's a tie, like tie, tie, lady boys. It like is a tie, in, tie, lady I'm boys sure that's probably that. offensive, I guess. But like that, I mean, that's what no. I think called, they're right? proud like of like it. Th- yeah, right. But Dude, Ron go White, to, go to a place, get you a Thai lady boy. You know, some drunken noodle. Did you uh, Saturday? Did you ever hear that Ron
3: White story where he was talking about being over there during the military? Or yeah, I think he was in the military over there or something like that. And uh, I know he found, that I have, but I can't remember how it goes. I'm gonna butcher it, but the general thing of it is like he found this spot where like you can go down on the strip and get your dick sucked for five dollars and he's like, mm-hmm. I went down there all the time, it was fucking Love you great. Long time. And just, yeah, and then he gets back to the States and he sees this documentary about the uh the transsexual outbreak that was going on and it was on that same strip that he was on and he's like, I swear to God, I had my dick sucked by hundred and fifty different men and they were yeah. great at it.
2: Because oh, yeah. yeah, those ones are convincing. So you talk about that, oh, you know, dick sucked for five dollars, Southeast Asia. And I said, Yeah, love you long time, you know, me so horny, yeah. whatever. Uh that's right, that's correct. Well I mean, yeah, but it's also like you know, I'm I'm directly quoting. You both didn't the say it with the movies. accent either. Also, I, that's true. I didn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, that comes from uh, Apocalypse Now, <laughs> but got sampled from and Apocalypse Now is one of my all time favorite movies. Movie you know, I've never Rocks. seen it. It's about war. I'm not surprised by that. I found it. I've been trying to go easier on you in my head. I know because I know. like because I realize it's not like. My dad literally owned a video store, right? Like, and was a massive movie buff. So, like, all the time, some movie will come up, and you'll be like, "Yeah, I've never seen that." And I'm like, "How have you never fucking seen that?" And Apocalypse Now is definitely one of them. But I've been, like I said lately, I've been like, I mean, you know, you talking about myself, have probably seen way, way, way more movies than most people of your age. Has seen like movies from before our time, you know. I've probably also like seen more
3: movies than 76. you, just because I watch new stuff too. Mm. I don't know, buddy. I'm not kidding. We can't
2: prove this, but I, I really doubt that's true. Okay. You know, I've been a okay. Ne- I've been a Netflix subscriber since high school. Okay. Back when they mailed you DVDs and fucking, I um. I mean, you've definitely made up a lot of ground on me in recent years. Well, and but, you know I that mean, I'm rectifying I it. used like to think that I've seen, I used to would tell people like, oh, I've seen pretty much everything. Unless it's a really obscure movie, then I've seen it. That's not been true for at least 15 years now. But yes, I, just, I, I know. Had a, I had a major jump on you. You uh, did, you did. But beginning.
3: Like, But like, A, and I know that, and I respect you for not being so hard on me because I know who you are as a person. And I've actually like, there's so many times that like, I, it took me a while actually to even start admitting, yeah, I haven't seen that when you said something. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's been plenty of times when I was just like, oh, yeah, it's fucking cool, man. That sounds oh, cool. You know, yeah. Fuck yeah. But like, I finally started admitting it. And, but you know that I'm actively rectifying it. Like, I'm now going back and watching the hits of the old. And my reason was, and you know this, I've told you. It's only because I was still watching movies during this period it's just that I didn't accept anything that wasn't a straight comedy. That's the only yeah. movies that I wanted to watch like I genuinely when I was a, like of course Independence Day I'm going to go see that but like the only movies I was interested in seeing was like Your Dumb and Dumber, your Mel Brooks shit like that's if it wasn't comedy I'm like this isn't worth my fucking while. But I would I would argue that it kind of hits because I'm now able to watch all these classics for the first fucking time as an adult. Like it's it's not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like watch True Lies the other day fucking holds up rules. apparently. It rules. rules
2: so hard. Uh I wanna follow this for a go minute. Ahead. But Go I'm, ahead, Follow. I, it. I'm not no no, I'm gonna go back to where I was going earlier with the Apocalypse Now, Me So Horny, Me Love You Long Time. Oh, right. Sampled, of course, to great effect. By early '90s provocateurs and musical yes. geniuses, two live crew, right? Yeah, Who, not fancy, right? But like, just dude, they put it out there. What a thing! Two dude. live crew was, by the way. Just thinking
3: hey, about it, Hey, we want some, some pussy. Puss, hey. Yeah, right. And, and, and you know why song. that song? You know why that song works so well? Because, because everyone <laughs> listening to
2: it goes, "We do." We yeah, do right. want some pussy, and you never doubted their authenticity or veracity <laughs> no. either. You you never no. looked at them. You are like, I don't know if I don't know that I believe that they want some pussy. Like you don't, I you would you Never did that. You are like now these these guys, <laughs> they, they really do just want yeah. some pussy. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> never comes once of, denied. Come from a very real place. Yeah, very yeah never
3: once, place. Never once denied the integrity of two live crew in their endeavor to get some pussy. They wow. wanted it.
1: And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use. And you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
2: Well, like, in the era of sampling, dude, whoever the motherfucker was that was like, I got an idea. Yeah. Let's sample those Vietnamese prostitutes <laughs> in a pussy-getting song, right? yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Fucking
2: genius. 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 Yeah. Absolute genius. I know Oppenheimer I level. But, uh, and look, I'm not going to lie. This is sad, what I'm about to say, because, you know, who doesn't love Two Life Crew? But it's also a feather in the cap of my hometown. Two Life Crew played Salina, Tennessee uh, a few years ago at a, um, a red-ass bar. But also, like, I know, it's like, we you know, we got a black community in Salina, and I'm sure they came out for that. I had already moved away and was doing terrible comedy in a biker bar or something that night in Knoxville when Two Life Crew was in town. But that's, like, Far and away the biggest moment in Salina of entertainment history, I would say. Is yeah. <laughs> th- them and the only other, the only other, and this was like before I was even born. But the only other act I ever heard of even doing a show in Salina was uh, the Kentucky Headhunters. Yeah, and that makes sense. It does make sense because did you uh, do you know That's you know where- Dumas. Dumas, Dumas Walker that's right was there in was in Salina. Technically it was in Moss, which is where yeah. my daddy from, uh, which is just right outside of Salina. Uh, By the way, yeah, one of the most Dumas underrated, where it was co- one of the most underrated country songs of all time,
3: uh, is Dumas Walker. And I mean, you know, I know that people like me and you, like we're in the know, you know, we once had a podcast about nineties hits, but like, I don't think that one gets brought up as much as it should. But, uh, I can't, dude. I' have there's never been a time where that song came on and I didn't immediately go get a slaw burger and fries. Never once. Mm-hmm. Song what had about a, profan- a bottle of ski.
2: You got well. You, I can't can find you round them up a
3: bottle of ski. You can at yeah. Cracker Barrel. You can at Cracker Barrel.
2: They yeah. Still I, know, have I it. know it still exists. I, you, you'll see it every now and then. Um, yeah. Uh. Well. Anyway, this I have no idea how to transition from this into war, but uh, I guess that's what i'll do Well, plenty Uh, of people
3: that were at that salina show probably got sent off to war
2: if i had to Mm -hmm. guess so should we uh uh, should we take a quick break and then yeah let's take a quick
3: break uh and i would prefer not to pee in this diaper right yet so i'll be right back friends family and loved ones i bet you haven't purchased a father's day gift yet i know that they ain't bought me anything uh, right? So y'all ain't, y'all ain't done it either, have you? Well, not to fear the leaders and Below the Waist grooming are here. I'm talking about our friends at Manscaped. They're saving the day yet again with the total package for the father figure in your life this year. It's time to upgrade his game from waist to face with this exclusive offer. Have him join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code POA at manscaped.com. Y'all, I've, I've worn out talking about manscaped, and that's for good reason i love them these are my favorite items to have in my house not only do i have my hedge trimmer uh not only do i have my lawn mower but i've got my ball deodorant because it is peak ball deodorant needing season as i've told you all a million times you get out of the shower within two minutes they're back to smelling like balls unless you use all the products over at manscaped trey tell them a little bit more about how they can get a great deal
2: I surely will, but let's start with the ultimate Father's Day MVP, the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, he will find the signature Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold his goodies. That's a lot of good stuff there, y'all. We can't forget about the money maker. Manscaped has absolutely changed the game with their new Beard Hedger Pro Kit for fathers around the world. Included is the Beard Hedger Trimmer, Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, and two free gifts with their signature beard comb and scissors. We all know how dads love their comfort. If his grooming routine is already dialed in, make sure to hook him up with Manscaped Boxers 2.0. They are, without a doubt, the best boxers for men of all ages. I believe I'm wearing my Manscaped Boxers right this very minute. I mean, Me too. I'm not going to y'all, not gonna do y'all the disservice of showing you, but I am, and they do hit. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat, and that I can personally vouch for. So here's how it works, y'all. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code POA at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com, and use the code POA, Manscaped.com, promo code POA, 20% off with free shipping. Make this Father's Day one he won't forget with Manscaped. So we're back. Uh, BPP BPP sent us some some information on Chinese Christmases. Because uh, again, I never even heard it, but I guess it's a thing. Uh, they're sometimes called uh, Grinch. We'll see. All right, this thing. This article says it's some kind. Sometimes called Dirty Santa or White Elephant or whatever. But this other uh, this other link he sent us. Yeah, so this article basically makes Chinese Christmas sound literally exactly like Dirty Santa or a White Elephant. This other article he sent, it says, many people think a Chinese gift exchange and a white elephant are the same thing. Well, they're not. The general gift exchange may be similar. The meaning behind the Chinese gift exchange and other aspects of it are different. And it says the Chinese concept of destiny, <laughs> right, which I didn't know that was oh, an okay. ancient Chinese concept. Yeah, I mean, uh, if they're the most first ones. Well, yeah. dude. Most been things that so are concepts, right, Yeah, are, are, are ancient Chinese concepts yeah. when you get right down to like it. Sun Tzu so,
3: invented war, you know? Because
2: they did, yeah, they did most of the things first. But anyway, the the, con- the Chinese concept of destiny plays into a Chinese gift exchange. And as a result, the gift you end up with is the gift you are meant to receive. In a, in a sense, your gift was destined to be your gift all along and the playing of the game was merely the path your gift took to ultimately arrive in your hands. Since your gift is destined to be yours, there's no reason to unwrap it until the game is already over. So I guess in a Chinese Christmas, you're supposed to. Right. Nobody. Un- you can still take the gifts, steal them, pass them around or whatever, but nobody opens anything until the very end. And the underlying conceit is that that is the it's gift your you are destined to
3: receive. Hey, yeah. Before you move on, just because I just randomly said Sun Tzu, and I just have to tell you this because this is the only place it will ever fit. I'm an Audible subscriber. They don't sponsor us, but it is a great program. And they just put a bunch of free audiobooks on, one of them being The Art of War by Sun Tzu. So I went yep. to download it to my library. and But I noticed underneath it, you know, underneath every audiobook, there are, like, ratings and reviews and of course, this one has like, you know, 40,000 reviews. And I noticed that it's a it's overall a four and a half star. Well, who? And, I know, Who is fucking
2: review leaving a fucking Amazon review of the art of war? Well, my son, let alone that. Who's rating it anything other than five stars? So the audacity so. of a motherfucker. To give the Art of War is like that eh, two and a half stars at best. It's like who the, the fuck is you? The, so like, like, so on, on that dude, note, people are something else. It's like <laughs> that, I bet. Fucking William Shakespeare probably got a Yelp page or Goodreads profile or something. Dude, there's people on there. It's like you know, I just don't see it. Well, first <laughs> off,
3: you've just given me an idea for a new segment, which is where we read modern day reviews on Shakespeare, uh, but. Number two, I had to scroll through and see what it was that made this a four and a half star. And only one really stood out. I could have clicked more, but one really stood out. Someone fucking gave it a one star. And their review was, this isn't any new information that I couldn't have got anywhere
2: else. (laughs) No shit. It was the newest.
3: It
1: was the newest at the time.
2: It's not yeah, new information because it's the first information. Dude, it's like hey, Airheads, will y'all please remind
3: me, like send an email reminding me of this. I really do want to do that. I want to go find old Shakespeare works and read like modern day reviews of it. I think that would be fun.
2: It would hit. Uh sorry. You know what don't hit though? War. Uh, war, no, man. don't hit. It well The art of war, I guess, yeah. might hit. Well, uh, I mean,
3: war don't movies. Hit. Yeah. about
2: warhead the best uh, yeah books about war hit um,
3: yeah i've accidentally at one I mean, time said that hits. war hits it's for me just, right. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. like here's the deal but, war ought not be but because right. war is i'm i love it i don't love that we do it but because we do it nothing fascinates me more than reading about war because it's so insane
2: Well, people may or may not realize that for a very... I mean, most people, I'm sure, realize it if you just stop to think about it for a second. But for a very long time, uh, war was very much the province of the fancy. Now, you think of... Today, it's not that they're not involved. It's that today, people are like, you know, poor men fight and rich men's Men's wars, wars. right? And it's like... And that's true. It's definitely true. So it's like it's still a lot of the wars have rich people behind them pulling the strings, but like they used to get in there and fucking mix it up. Like, as yes, they, they a matter of fact, not only did they used to do it, they like had to do it. it right. Wasn't and wanted like, to, and wanted to, it was because back then, like rich people used to also generally speaking, be like honorable landowners, gentry, <laughs> aristocrats or whatever. Right. Like, so they had a legacy and a title and all this type of stuff they didn't just like invent an app when they were 21 you know like <laughs> right. fuck and i'm not that makes me sound like i'm in favor of that i don't like no of course i prefer anybody to be able to become a rich person and all of that i'm just saying used to it had a whole other fucking weight to it right well also back like i i tend
3: to when i read about the old rich i tend to respect them a little bit more than the new rich
2: because Just they because had of, these kind of principles, it was yeah. like they weren't like, going to send people to fight in their place. They were going to like be uh, like fucking kings and shit. And yes. yes, they would be surrounded by you know Who cares? knights, bodyguards, and stuff on the. But like kings were, expected they're there, to like be on the front line, right? Yeah, and man. They would because it was good for morale. That. Yeah, right. It was good for morale, and they understood that. But also, like because I said, it had this whole other weight to it—the weight of legacy and all this type of shit, like. These were the type of motherfuckers to be faced with the war and say that they are, quote, burdened with glorious purpose, right? (laughs) Like, that's the type of—that's what these dudes were like, you know what I mean? It was about, like, glory and honor and fucking— That's a Loki quote, right? Uh. Is it? Is it a yeah. Loki quote? Surely it's not originally a Loki. <laughs> no, quote. No, but but right. Loki but Loki says I'm burdened with glorious purpose in the That's Loki hilarious. show. So I love that. I thought I was just making up a uh you know something that sounded like something they would say or something that dude did my fucker said something like that. And not, of course not, they did. And yeah. so did Loki. This is why Loki yeah. said it. Uh but anyway, yeah, they like that's how they made names for themselves and stuff. But also it was like, you know how in game of Thrones they call the banners, right? Yep. It's like, uh, you know, call the banners. You've been a bannerman of my father for, you know, generations and you turn your back on us now, that type of thing. That's all, of course, very real or based in reality. Like, uh, in the feudal system, the king was at the top. And then under the king there was like high level Lords, fucking right. Viscounts and shit right and then they they had their vassals right yep. so those people were vassals of the king right and then those vassals they had sub vassals right like yeah, a little russian Who, doll vassals yeah it's vassals all the way down and the vassals they had they were given lands and titles and stuff and that, so that's like there were lords, then there were knights or whatever, and they're given lands and titles. And in exchange, the agreement is you will fight for yep. me if, yes. if and when I tell you to do it, right? And then the vast – but it, look, it's not to say that, of course, that poor people didn't also fight. They did. It's like of also course. round up all your peasants, put a pitchfork in their hand, and throw them at all the pointy stuff, but, you know? But and we're like, talking that
3: about the knights – Yeah, we're talking about the knights and stuff, and like, let's also put into perspective for everybody in context that when we say that they were offered land and titles, it wasn't uh, your forty acres and a mule shit. You know, like a lot of these, because I did an episode on knights a long, long time ago, probably like episode six. Like some of these dudes, we're talking about the amount of land that you cannot in this modern day fathom having, because that amount of land does not exist. You know what I'm saying? Like some of these dudes were, and like you said, they're on standby to go to war, but they are the Lord of the manor over, you know, fucking 800 to a thousand acres and everything paid for and servants at their behest. However, when the time came, they had to
2: go rock and roll. Yeah, they did. And uh another thing though, like like another part of it was yes, it was their purpose and their right and and their, you know, all that to to fight these wars and be out there on the front lines and do it and everything. But also dude, like they weren't gonna trust peasants to do that shit. Of course it's not. You know what I mean? They were gonna be like, I can't let the fucking peasant lead a vanguard. He's covered in mud. Fucking ghost stab us. And shit. Like, yeah,
0: right. Like, <laughs> you fucking,
2: you seeing see how they be fucking? I can't. I can't get them to stop fucking the livestock's butts. Like, I'm not gonna fucking put them in charge of shit. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, they had no choice. They can't right? read. No, yeah, like I'm. The, we are the only ones who can do this, cause right? Unless you're talking about plucking geese in the mud, they can't do shit, right? Dirt and for farming. the record, accurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you know, it was accurate at the time. So, uh, over the years, though, obviously, war, uh, changed quite a bit, and armies got first of all just much much bigger, uh, but also more like specialized right like back then it you know you had a cavalry like a knight was a horseman on a cavalry with his fucking part of a cavalry and you know you had different types of you know you got your rangers you got your pikemen you got your swordsmen, whatever but Squires. that's like pretty much it right yeah and and like but going forth in the future you fucking you know you got Tanks, mortars, snipers, you know, the Air Force. It's just way, way more complicated and specialized. So that started to require people to be trained specifically for those purposes. And they just needed more bodies, which led to conscription or the draft. And also it's like a certain point, it's like they just realized, like, I mean, I guess we could just make them do all the fighting, you know. Yeah, I mean, doing it. Well, I mean, Um, they used, like, at a certain point in war, they realized that they
3: could use poor people the same way we use the Chinese in making railroads. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm not trying to be funny, but it's just like, they're like, hey, listen, we need, the people up there, when we do this thing that we're going to do, are probably going to die. So who's the best group of people that it could die? It's these poor fucking people. We'll put them up there. And then when they kill
2: them and they're reloading, brrr, there we go. Yeah. And it's just, but it's also, we already sort of referenced this or alluded to this. It's also just the way that rich people have changed over the years because yep. they have. Again, I'm like, I support like back then there was no upward mobility at all you was born a peasant you lived a peasant you died a peasant you know it was all about just the circumstances of your birth that's horse shit i don't appreciate or i'm not down with any of that people should have you know i'm all for the american dream even though i think it's you know mostly bullshit but anyway but it is possible right of course i'm a very i'm a very low level example of the fucking american dream so like i love all that shit but a side effect of it is It's really, really cheapened and douchefied our rich people. Yes, it has. Because, because, like you said, they, they didn't used to... They had... Yes, they believed they were born superior to almost everyone else. And that don't hit, right? But because of that belief, like... They also felt they had to conduct themselves in a superior fashion. You of know course. what I mean? Like they, they had, had respect to, for it. They had to like with great live power, up to, right? Yeah, comes great, great respons- responsibility it's true because i mean it's, like, a, it's an ancient sun zoo quote it, right yeah it is we've done uh much we've like done spider-man and loki purpose. yeah, <laughs> yeah right.
3: we've done but like yeah man uh, i mean like dude like a lot of the problems i have with the rich folk today is because like listen you're rich because your great 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 granddaddy had more money than he knew what to do with and it trickled down to you and like i'm okay with you having this money because I mean, what were you supposed to do? Say, no, don't give me this money, but don't act like that's not where it came from. But there was at some point that first generation that made it for you. And like the industrial revolution made it to where a lot of people who weren't in the landed gentry somehow got this upward mobility and really made a name for themselves. Like if you read anything about John D. Rockefeller, he's definitely my favorite rich person of all time. Now, I know he did some fucked up shit. I know that he did some fucked up shit. But John D. Rockefeller absolutely made it on his own and was pretty good to communities and shit like that. And he was a noble man and he had respect for it. And he knew that, again, with great power comes great responsibility. And as I've said a million times about fucking Elon Musk, imagine you would never in a million years see john d rockefeller having a conversation with someone who goes by cat turd -turd. about how to run his fucking business so you're right right, the rich people have changed and for the
2: worse they used to i talked about this on an episode of well read this isn't about war specifically but like this is true i remember looking this up and talking about on the well read podcast years ago now but like Super rich people for a long time, like, had a shared understanding that it was like their place and their obligation to give back or to use their resources for like some greater good. Like, that was part of it for a long time. If you were super in that. A lot of super rich people today are still, you know, super some rich do. people. Their kids will be, their profession is listed as philanthropist, which right. is just, yeah, I professionally give money away. And I, like, I'm right. glad they're giving the money away, but that's a Me funny too. title. But anyway, that some of them still do that, right? But it used to just be like the standard. Well, right. it also used to be the standard that like y'all were going to fight in the wars. Like you right. had to. It was your. Now they just devise the wars and send other people to fight instead. Now rich people fucking ccr was singing about it during vietnam right goddamn like, right know, i ain't no fortunate, fortunate son. son like it's, it all shifted on its head now the, the stuns of rich people buy their way out of going to war yeah. that shit never would have happened and i have to say like i gotta i got some respect at least for the notion of how like the british royals and the aristocracy handle it because i do they too still will like at least put up the front of, of doing it, of military Dude. service or whatever. Like Harry and William both were in the military. Queen Elizabeth was in world war II, all that shit. Yes. They're not ever in any real danger, any of that shit, but like still like they fucking, I mean, they do it. They sign up and do it. And a lot of, in the first world wars, there were a lot, a lot of British aristocrats who, who fought in it, like Lord Grantham and Downton Abbey, right. In world war one, yes. like that type of thing. Like they, and were, he was were furious doing, that they wouldn't they
3: let him do that in. You know, right. and now to your point, like now the rich people, like you said, they don't they don't go fight on the front lines. They just like construct these wars for Halliburton and bullshit. And then they run for office and unironically use Fortunate Son as their goddamn theme song.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. Nowadays, it's wars are almost exclusively fought. Not exclusively. They're still basically almost. I, That's yeah, fair. right. I looked it up. In this country, soldiers nowadays basically come from two large umbrellas of demographics: Uh, legacy recruits, so people who come from military families, right? And there's overlap in these two demographics, also by the way, obviously, and poverty-stricken communities, white and black alike, and Hispanic too, Uh, underserved communities, you know, fucking small. The South, the South provides the a uh, larger percentage of the American military than any of the other regions, which isn't even a little bit surprising to me. I mean, they may me, me were like fucking in Salina and I'm sure they still are. Like we were heavily recruited by the military. Oh they, yeah. They, they they had a presence in our high school. I had multiple buddies who joined up. This is, you know, I graduated in 2004. I mean, this is fucking war in Iraq, Afghanistan, war in Iraq. Shit. I had buddies Had one, one guy I went to school with got, uh, got blown up over there, got killed. I had a bunch of buddies went to Fallujah and, fucking all that was in the heavy shit for a long time um because that's what you do because then because t- like the flip side of it it's funny. Well, a lot of this was post nine eleven 11 too flip side of it all, my experience was all post-9/11. all of it was but yeah. like they the flip side of it is that like It really is. The reason that shit works is because you ain't got no fucking options in a place like Salina. You don't. Me, I was like the smart kid. That was my, like, You in a place like Salina, everybody's looking for their ticket out, right? And if you don't cash a ticket, if you don't punch a ticket out, you're going to be there forever. And the only real tickets out are scholarships like I got, right? Which that was pretty rare. (laughs) Right. Uh, Athletic scholarships, which was you know even more, more common. Well, I mean more more, yeah, yeah. more common in Salina than the right. academic ones, but still yeah, right. like, but not to like SEC schools, dude. To fucking D three yeah, yeah, yeah. or NAI. But still, you get your education. Whatever. Yeah, but still, yeah, you get it paid for. So it's like academic scholarships, uh, athletic scholarships. Those are the two ways to get to college, or the military right right that's pre- i mean that's pretty much it and for a lot of guys the guys that weren't that great as students or weren't or weren't outstanding athletes that only leaves one option the military right and like the military knows that and also they go to these places these poor communities and tell them like how hey, you get a ten thousand dollar signing bonus you like dodge chargers right you know and when you're 17 fucking, years old dude right that's insane like, that's why i've always said like it's and it, it really it's predatory is- but it's also like yeah, but it's all true. You that's, know what I mean? It is like, all true. It, it, yeah, it, two things can be true, but it's
3: like, but right, it is true. But it's like, yeah, I two things can be true. It. Yeah, I you mean, know? like, dude, that's why I've always said, like, and and listen, this is just how it is. Like, you can't, like, when someone is like living in poverty, you can. You can try your best to tell them, well, well, this is they're only doing this because blah, blah, blah. But but at the end of the day, when you're looking for the next meal and for your family to be fine, it doesn't fucking matter that it's a corrupt system. It is the system. It is what goes on. And like I've always thought it was insane that like for the most part, they want us to pick our career when we're 18 years old you know like we're 18 right. years old if you remember being 18 years old you don't know shit right and there's no, a lot of people like no. like like my wife for instance uh and by the way i'm glad that she's an educator because she's a good educator she cares about her kids and we need those people but they're horribly underpaid but when oh, yeah. you but an 18 year old when an 18 year old hears $37,000 a year To an 18-year-old, that's the most money they've ever heard of in their entire life. So they'll fucking do anything. So with that signing bonus, they're like, fuck yeah, man. If I could get $10,000 right now, mama won't lose the fucking house, you know? And back in the day... And I, I'm certain that it's still probably the case now, but so many old dudes that went to our church when I was a kid, were they would talk about their experience in the Korean War, some of them World War II. And the reason that they went is because it was either that or jail time. They had gotten in trouble, you know. Yeah, right. They'd gotten That's in trouble, and, yep. and the judge was like, hey, you can go serve eight or you can go serve your country. And they were like, I'll go serve my country. Yeah, taking the black,
2: dude. Yeah, to the yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's wild. But so, I'm sorry to take um, over there for a second. No, no. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you did. I mean, that I know that last part. But yeah, it's just, it's just a bit of a bummer, you know. That like, that's my main takeaway from this. Is just how sorry our rich people have become. You know, fucking yeah. They're be, they're not be respectable. Be better, be better, rich people. Like, yeah, because they again it's this is not me sucking off the landed gentry of the past but i'm no, saying but they I'd were better I, absolutely i absolutely i absolutely have more respect for them than the ones today because they would you know they'd go out there and fucking really get in the shit themselves yeah that, the and, the uh, what was the julian fellow show that came after downton abbey that was on hbo max the not oh the vic- my God! Not I the forgot Victorian... all about that. That I, a lot of I watched people did, too.
3: Unfortunately, yeah, I know. Um, did they
2: make a second season of that? I, I think you're talking about the one that took place in in New York, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. New- they're definitely making a second season of it because friend of the show, Michael Service, plays the butler, and he has told me that they were making a second season of it. Um, I liked it. I, I, I liked it too. I mean, listen, if you're, it, it's the when you're when you're the guy that did Downton Abbey. And we're going to compare it to Downton Abbey. Well, I just can't because Downton Abbey was absolutely fantastic. But my point is, is that I remember being on like a lot of Reddit groups and a lot of people like giving some flack to that show about how the main character dude was like super rich, but also like super noble and always wanting to help people and stuff. And they were like, oh, they're just trying to make this unrealistic character. And I'm like, no, man, like if you if you actually read about The John D. Rockefeller, and you read about the early Vanderbilt's, listen, of course they stepped on some necks to get where they were. Of course, that everything that they did wasn't on the up and up. But for the most part, they did have a different sensibility back then because a lot of these people were first generation rich and they knew what it took to get there. And they weren't fucking assholes about it. They were like, okay, I'm going to keep my millions. Don't get me wrong. But like, do y'all need a school? I'm fucking in. And, like, nowadays, the rich are just, like I said, having conversations with Cat Turd on Twitter.
2: Yeah. Posting, you know, pictures of lions and Ferraris on Instagram and stuff like that, which, you know, I mean, like, I, I get it. But, you know, it should well, be about was, more than that. Um, well, anyway. W- what?
3: More, more, well, more on, I mean, I want to, are you the done talking about Gilded war? Age, Gilded The Gilded Age. Gilded Age,
2: yeah. You're not done uh, talking about war, are you? Yeah, I think it's
3: time for us to move on. <clears throat> okay, well, I, I mean, I did want to like ask you a couple questions because, like, I had some buddies who, um, it was you're a little bit older than me, but it was still that post nine eleven. A lot of my friends like knew right then, like, I'm going to the army when I graduate. Like, that's a hundred percent happening now because I'm a little bit, if
2: I was three years older, I think I'd be a uh, veteran unless I I failed out, unless I failed out of the like process somehow. uh, You've said that. And I've
3: always took the coward's way out and said, Mm -hmm. I just don't think that I would have. But at the same time, if I was 18, then you never know what you would have got swept up in, you know, but like, what was the, what were the conversations like with, for you and your buddies? Was it more, A was it more a hey they're giving a ten thousand dollar signing bonus or was it more of a bro we got to do something or or our country's we're gonna die.
2: It was both. It depended on the buddy. You know, I had some buddies that was very 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 practical money whatever but i had some that had like high ideals about serving the country and that type of thing the reason i said three years older for me specifically is like right after 9-11 i was very much i was ready and raring to go but by the time i actually came of age i had already grown to see that it it was was a a bullshit fugazi Um, yeah yeah right because we had gone to uh you know into iraq and fucking weapons masters all that shit had played out and i had seen that so uh but yeah, it was both. There's some very, you know, some very noble shit and some also like fucking real dumb boot shit, you know, uh, you know, uh, boot, the boots, that's what they call them, the boot camp guys. Like, like yeah. the things young soldiers do, fucking getting up, interest rate through the roof, charger, marrying a dumb whore at 19, yeah. fucking all that <laughs> shit, you know, like plenty of that. But also like, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, James Bain, right? He was in the Marines. Oh yeah. And friend. I could and not he, respect and a man very, more. Right. And he was a very much like fucking, you know, uh, yeah. Serving my country. This is the thing, you know, it's just the thing to do. And then, you know, he'll take, he's got a comp I'm not going to speak for him. He's got a complicated relationship with it. Like he'll definitely, of course, you know, they, a lot they, of, they all guys. do with this, but they all, every single one of them does at this point. Like yeah. every one of them is like, I don't you know what know, I did. Say things like, I'm proud that i did it you know like i am but lord it's a bunch of bullshit and they of course they fuck them over the country fucks them all over you know the va fucks them over everybody fucks them over uh they're sort of chewed up and spit out which doesn't help the whole thing so i mean you know
3: yeah, yeah. i know and i know that that this isn't the podcast for this but like while we're on the topic of it like i do think that there is like some sort of misconception of you know when someone doesn't support the war that that means they don't support the troops and I've always found that to be insane uh, because course. because aside from a couple of my buddies who flat out looked at me in the face and said they joined the army so they could go quote kill some brown people uh, mm-hmm. you know those dudes I knew one of those guys too <laughs> yeah those dudes a hundred percent exist they end up becoming cops. Um, but like (laughs) they did not all of them, but some of them, but like, it really is like such a fucking wild thing for these dudes to go through, which is like, especially, I mean, you got your Vietnam guys, right? Who number one, they didn't have a choice. And that's such a different era to be in when you didn't have a choice. Like it always like. I, it always bothered by it bothers me looking back at all the people shitting on Vietnam soldiers. And it's like, do you think that they wanted to be there? They fuck it. Like some of them absolutely did not want to be there. They didn't all have the luxury of being Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? Like some of them didn't want to go. And like, that's what I'd always thought about war is like, well, you know, I'd, I'd always had this conception in my mind of like, you know, they, they talk about that old generation. They were great. They all went and served their country. And I was like, yeah, they didn't have a fucking choice. They made them go. You know what I mean? Well, if we go back then and there's no draft, what would happen? And then me and you had that conversation where you're like, I don't know, man, fighting the fucking Nazis. I feel like I'd sign up for that. And maybe I've turned around and thought that, that maybe I would, but like every single soldier probably since world war two, world war two, maybe, this is just me speculating here. Uh, and don't give me—I mean, you can give me shit or whatever. World War II may be literally the last time we actually fought for freedom, like yeah, that, w- that we absolutely. actually like we we say it every time. Oh, we're they're off there fighting for freedom. World War II was probably the last time we actually fought for freedom, but well, I don't believe. I was... Go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but I don't believe that the soldiers that went to uh uh the what was the '90s uh Gulf Gulf uh Desert Storm. Um, Desert Storm. I don't believe that the dudes that went to Desert Storm, I don't believe the dudes that went to Iraq didn't... I believe that they believed they were fighting for freedom. Like, I believe that they believed that. So I would never say, you motherfuckers didn't fight for freedom because... If you believe you're fighting for freedom, then you are. But ultimately, that's not what the fucking war was about. And so like a dude like James coming home and having to like compartmentalize all that shit of like, I serve my country, but what the fuck was my country doing? You know, like that's Mm -hmm. that's tough. And in this day and age, it does only happen to the I mean, there's not a lot of rich guys signing up to go to fucking Afghanistan. That's all I'll
2: say. Nope. Nope. They surely ain't pretty much the only time you ever see that sort of thing now is somebody who knows already they want to be a senator someday, yes, of um, course, and, and, and then that's, they go yeah. uh, and they get in like the the, the potato you know, jag, jag yeah. the like the military lawyer shit or whatever right. like not not in the do you, not in the shit the thick of it, but anyway, yeah, do let's, you think uh, that let's move on to operation Mincemeat. mate
3: okay well, I didn't oh, did want to ask you one more question, okay and that's, <laughs> and that's I, but dude, I love talking about war, and that's okay. um. And that's, if we were, if me and you had the same sensibilities that we do now, um, but we were born in the World War II era, do you think that you would have tried to get in as, like, a Don Rickles type? You know what I mean? Like, serve your country in that way?
2: Uh, Yeah. Because I think I would do that. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like that's such an insanely different era that, like who know because like dude what was like if i had grown if i had been in salina at that point in time like would i even know i mean yeah they had like would i even know what comedy was <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean right. or have like comedic inspirations to yeah that's different that if we were born at a different like, time we wouldn't have even known what it was but you yeah. know just assuming that, like i know my dad my grandpa like told me story. they'd go to like there's an old country store with like a shed out back that had a projector in it. And for a nickel, they'd run the Buster Keaton picture, you know, or whatever. Like, so people were watching movies even in fucking Clay County. So I don't know, maybe I love hearing about that shit. Don Rickles, Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner and them in world war two, like, yeah hitting. like they're like doing shows and yeah War yeah II, so. bob
3: hope all those guys and i think it's admirable yeah. and like uh you know i've i've put my i've like actually this year officially like put myself up for a uso tour or whatever like i I did oh, I all the things do that yeah well i got you know management talk to this person there's openings do you want to do it because like they <laughs> the thing about that is they can ask whoever they want but it has to be someone that's like I'm willing to go because it'll be like two or three weeks or whatever. And uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to do that. I probably won't get selected. I assume that my sensibilities might not be good for the uh, uh, me being yeah. divisive and all. But like I was thinking about it and I was like, uh, I think Nat, my manager told me, she was like, It could be six weeks and you would be in, you know, Afghanistan or wherever the fuck it was. You'd be away from your family. And like none of that on the surface sounded good to me, obviously, because I don't want to be away from my family for that long. But then I thought about it and I was like, man, it would be cool to, in a way, serve your country. And then I started to think about what you said. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe there is some of that in me. You know what I mean? Like maybe I could serve in that way uh, and be terrified the whole time. But. Anyways, yep. I, well, I'm glad sorry. I inspired you to be a better man. You, you yep. did, you did, you did. Yep. Well, let's take a break, and then I will be right back with Professor Cho on the subject of Operation Mince
2: Meat. Y'all, I love food and I love cooking. Y'all heard me talk about how much I love cooking, but sometimes you don't have time to cook and you still want your food to hit, right? I, mostly for me, it's during the day. I work from home when I'm not on the road, but you know my days can be jammed, kind of packed full, but you got to eat, you go in there. I don't have time to chop up a bunch of stuff, turn the heaters on and uh, you know throw something together necessarily. I want something that hits to eat And it's fast and convenient and is nutritious and all that stuff. And that can be hard to find, but we're about to make it easier for you. With Factor, all right? Now, during this prime spring season, you need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days and keep you on track to reach all your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. You too busy to cook this spring? Heading into the summer? Well, with Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, too. Factors fresh, never frozen. Meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. If you're looking for calorie conscious options ahead of summer, then just try the delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. You need an extra boost of energy to support your wellness goals this spring. Try the protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. We offer delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles from keto to calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and protein plus, all prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long while still meeting your goals. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to select vegan or veggie meals as well. Cho, tell them about the rest of it.
3: Well, I tell you what, man. Keto used to mean not good to me, but not with Factor here and with 34 plus chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus Add ons, not just 45, 45 plus, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillets. Or for an easy wellness boost, try some refreshing beverage options like your cold pressed juices, shakes, smoothies. Looking to pack in more protein? I know I am. Conveniently add on filling options like a salmon filet, chicken wings. Add that to your factor meals to support your dietary goals any time of the day. And by the way, if you're trying to budget it out, Cut back on takeout. That's what you should do. Get Factor instead because not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant quality. In just two minutes, with Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door. 100% 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and they feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. This may get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash POA50. And use the code POA50 to get fifty percent off your first box. That's code POA50 at FactorMeals slash POA50 to get fifty percent off your first box. I'm no mathematician, Joe, that's, but that's half.
2: Joe, that's fifty-five zero, oh, right?
3: Uh, yes, Five sir. zero. Yeah, five POA zero. POA
2: five zero.
3: Five Just zero. Yes, sure you I are know. correct. Yeah, factormeals.com slash POA50. And use the code POA50. Thank you, Trey. Always keeping me on my heels.
2: operation Mince mate operation mints meat what uh just, can you tell me the movie you watched or not? operation mincemeat mate oh that's the
3: name of the movie <laughs> that's the name of the movie there was movie. there was also another movie called the man who never was about this but that was a 1950s movie and i haven't watched it yet uh the people in operation Mince mate uh colin firth um Tom Wabzigams from Succession. Who is yeah, in Matthew it. McFadden? Matthew yeah. McFadden. Yeah, he's in it. I'm not sure. Yeah. He says it. And he fucking crushes. The movie's great. And also He always
2: crushes. How and also, when did that movie come out? I never even heard of that movie, I don't think.
3: Uh it, it was like 2019 or something. So Tom had like Succession had already come. I assume that he got this because of Succession. You know, because he was one of the leads. Like, it was him and Colin Firth, basically, the leads. And also, I believe her name's Kelly McDonald. Uh, she was in yeah. uh, Boardwalk Empire.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, so those are, like, the three main leads. Uh, there's a cavalcade of other uh, that-guy-from-that-thing actors in it, and it's a fucking fantastic movie. Um, but, yeah, those are the main characters. And uh, do you want to just... You know, I, I I'll I'll tell you. I'll give you a hint, and you can tell me what you think it's about. It it was a it was an uh, undercover espionage military operative,
2: Mince meat. I don't know. I mean, I I know I've heard of it. When you get into talking about it, maybe I'll be reminded. But I don't know. I got nothing right now.
3: Well, I had never heard of it either, and I again. And, and everybody listening to this podcast knows it doesn't mean that I'm correct all of the time, but I'm very interested in all this stuff. So I seem to know a lot. I, I know a little about everything. That's kind of my thing. And I'd never heard of it before. Uh, so I saw the movie. I clicked on it. I, basically, what I saw was, oh, Colin Firth, because I'm a huge fucking Colin Firth fan. And, you know, started watching the movie, hit for me, and realized I wanted to talk about it. So, Trey, here's the deal. In 1943, World War II raging, you know, and the Allies were not having a really good go of it uh, there for a while, which is fucking crazy. I mean, there's that whole Norm bit about how he's like, uh, Germany decided to declare war, and who did they choose as their enemy? the world the world yeah. <laughs> and he's like and you'd think that'd be over in a day but no it was actually pretty close <laughs> and it was like hitler hitler and of course you can't not give uh stalin and all and mussolini and all them some credit like the axis were were doing their thing and hitler was holding down like all of europe like he had he had a spot in all of europe there was really no way to get around hitler You know, like they they couldn't just bring a united force to it because then Hitler would know that they were coming. And he's like fucking all their shit up. So at this time, this is when the British are being bombed like nightly, like like just, you know, in England, they're just sitting there and uh, bombs are, you know, just blasting over them all the time, which like I, I don't know if me and you have talked about this, but like I've always thought like, God damn how fortunate America was at that time to not be over there. You know what I mean? Like, like we got hit with Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Like, like we got hit with Pearl Harbor. And like, when I was a kid, I was always like, dang, I don't understand why they didn't hit us more. And it's like, well, they had to fuck it. Like if, if Germany wants to hit Britain and all these places, they're right next door. And now that me and you've been over there, we know exactly how close it is. So like, (laughs) America's proximity to all this in the war was so beneficial at least for our lack of loss of life here.
2: Yeah, I I I can't help but wonder like uh if that might not have just changed like uh, everything or a lot of yeah. things with like I don't, we can't like if we somehow were over there, we wouldn't be the country that we are. It's all just so impossible to know, but my point is like I feel like if- because Amer- I fit look, I could be wrong, but I think they wanted they being the access powers were like, I don't feel like they really wanted to smoke from America no nope, like they want, didn't they want, they want they wanted America to stay out of it for yeah. as long as possible, so like if we had been over there or in closer proximity like would they have been fucking with us? I don't know. Or would it change the whole dynamics of everything? Cause I feel like they, they didn't want to incur our wrath for a lot. Like, I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like when Hitler heard that Hirohito bombed Pearl Harbor, he was like, you did fuck, you know? Like, yeah. yeah but dude. <laughs> I That's what I was going to say. Like, I, like if you want to do like
3: alternate history, I'm not saying there's not later a tipping point, but like if Pearl Harbor doesn't happen, And and I'm also not saying that, like, aren't y'all welcome for the U.S. winning the fucking war? Because clearly, and this story is going to explain it, it was a fucking team effort. And that's another thing why I love this movie so much is, like, as an American, we're just basically spoon-fed the whole, it was all us. We're the ones that won the war. You know what I mean? And we buy it, and it's fun to know. Uh, But I do think, like, in terms of what you were saying, like, If we did not got in when we got in, it would have been a little bit different, you know. So this is when the the allies, they need something to turn in their favor because Hitler just has a station everywhere. And this is where they turn to espionage and counter espionage. This is going to play a huge factor. So. MI6 and MI5, they're working around the clock to try to figure out how they can use spying to their advantage and throw Hitler off. And like, because like I said, they needed to break into Europe and their best way to do that, they knew they'd planned it out. They'd played their. It's funny when you watch all this, like it really is so much like a game of risk. Like like thinking about like uh, uh, King Stannis at his table doing all that shit. I mean, they're doing that, you know, and they're this playing this, this whole
2: ain't This ain't the one with the, the the code and Alan Turing and all that shit.
3: Is no, it? no, it's not. Uh, okay. But I do want it to. I, I, it's been That's a separate look, operation. It's been requested a lot, and I definitely want to cover Alan Turing. And I'm. A, I think that one might end up being a two part episode. Uh, but no, this is separate. Uh, so MI six and MI five are trying to figure out how they can somehow use espionage to throw Hitler uh, off of their, off of his game. And they knew they were like, listen, as far as where Hitler is stationed, the best place for us to go, the most vulnerable place for us to go is Sicily. If we can, if we can get into Sicily, we can gain an advantage. But the also one thing that they knew was if we know that, then Hitler knows that. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? It was so obvious to them. They're like, if it's obvious to us, it's obvious to him. He's going to see this coming. So this is where Operation Mincemeat comes into play. So uh, before we uh, continue, I would like to talk about how complicated the spy game is in World War II because the British intelligence, they're employing these spies who are in cahoots with the German forces, right? Of course, they've got dudes over there who are like, claiming to be Nazis, but really they're working for the British. But then you've got these dudes who are Nazis claiming to be working for the British, but who are actually working for the Nazis. So it's like a a double triple agent situation. Nobody knows who to trust. Like nobody at all knows who to trust because like at one point during this whole thing, they've got a guy who is like former British intelligence, but he's cozied up to Hitler. And they're like, we know that we can use him to get in. And then someone's like, yeah, but you know that he actually likes Hitler. Right. And they're like, yeah, but he'll do this for us because he needs Hitler to think that he's working with us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's the most complicated. You can't fucking trust anybody. I don't know how it works in the spy game of all times. So like they they have an entire group of Nazi officers who called themselves like the anti-fuhrer agents And they're, you know, in England talking about like, we're, we're, we're against, you know, we're against Hitler, but all the information these guys were getting is basically Hitler made them do this so that we will fucking trust them. Right. So these, the, it's like, it's, it's literally triple agency. And so how they kind of go around this is like spies are constantly having to like plant false information, to their informers so they can see it come out the other side just like in the departed yeah like you the De- yeah yeah, oh. yeah yeah but like well but like in the departed with the social security yeah. numbers it's like hey do yeah, all yeah. this and if it comes out the other side I know but like yeah. again it's, it's like still-
2: Tyr- tyrion did that in the first season of game of thrones with the uh, various little finger yep. and yep. somebody else. And then that's how he knew who the leak was where whatever. he was like, but I yeah, only told one it. person this shit. That's yeah. ver- I only told one person that version of the story. So exactly. Anyway, so yeah. they did,
3: they did that shit all the time. Um, so operation mince Meat was originally called the Trojan horse because that, that was, you know, they were just like, that's what we need to do is a Trojan horse. That's what we're looking for here is planning false information inside something that seems uh, real. That, that's what they're trying to emulate. So what they need is for, like I said, they need to get false information in the hands of Adolf Hitler, but they need Adolf Hitler to believe that it is true information. So the idea came about from this memo that had been going around the MI6 office, and it was called the Trout Memo. All right? And the reason it was called the Trout Memo, it was an analogy or an allegory or whatever, right? and it was it was issued by uh, Admiral John Godfrey, and here's, here's what the memo says. The trout fisher casts patiently all day. He frequently changes his venue and his lures. If he has a frightened fish, he may give the water a rest for half an hour, but his main endeavor is to attract fish by something he sends out from his boat, and it's incessant. So this memo list the 54 ways that the enemy is basically like trout and you have to fool them in the same way as trout. Right. And so, and it's basically just because John Godfrey was a huge trout fisherman. So he just wrote Mm -hmm. it up like this. Now I say he wrote it up. It was attributed to him, but many believe that it was actually written by his assistant. Do you know who his assistant was? No. His assistant was a soldier by the name of Ian Fleming. Ian oh, Fleming yeah. would okay. go
2: on All right. to write James Bond. James Bond. Yep. 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 Now this now may be the only context in which I've ever heard of operation mincemeat actually yeah. was that Ian Fleming was part of it. So I actually, and, I don't know that I do know. And also none of the rest of this is ringing a bell. So yeah. I and I
3: want to get ahead just a minute and talk about the, the movie versus like what actually happened, which the movie was very true to the source material. But like when me and Amber first watched the movie, I guess I didn't catch that they called him Lieutenant Fleming. Like I didn't, I just didn't catch that, you know? And so to me, he was just some guy. And at the very end of the movie, they're sitting there and, and, and everybody was joking about how everybody in the office was writing, a, writing this whole time, trying to get famous by writing. And at the very end, like they get through with all this stuff. And that character's sitting there typing and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm just working on a little spy novel. And uh-huh. at, when I first watched it, I didn't realize that. But then I learned this information, went back and watched it. And I was like, holy shit, that's a nod to him writing James Bond. Uh, so here's where our main players come in. You've got Charles, and nobody knows how to pronounce this motherfucker's name. I've heard it said nine different times. Chalamandali is how it's spelled But that's not how it's said, and I can't remember how it was said, but he was a British intelligence officer from MI5. Ewan Montague, which is the character that Colin Firth Firth played, he was a British intelligence officer from MI5, and he was responsible for overseeing the operation. And here's the plan. The plan is that they're going to have a soldier wash up on the Spanish shore because Germany has a large presence in the Spanish shore, or in in Spain. They're going to have a soldier wash up on the Spanish shore, and in the pocket of the soldier's jacket, there's going to be a letter talking about the Allies' plans to invade Greece and Sardinia, which they had no plans at all, to invade greece and sardinia but the goal here is to get them to think that so that they move some troops out of sicily and overnight they can come in and overtake it right so that's all well and good uh but adolf hitler is well he's many things trey but yeah. an an idiot is not one of them i mean I mean, like, you know, I, I, it always makes me mad nowadays when people talk about these evil, despicable people as being idiots. And I'm like, guys, you're you're really not saying the right thing. They're they're geniuses. They're bad. They're not stupid. They're bad. Um, so the point is, is that they know that Hitler is not just going to go, oh, there was a letter in this thing and it says this. Well, we got to do this. They knew that they had to get the body specifically correct because they were going to investigate this whole things hitler's already worried about espionage he's already worried about being full so the body's gonna have to pass a lot of tests so whoever they choose whatever dead body that they choose is gonna have to appear as if it's feasible that they've only been dead at sea for a small amount of time whatever time it would take for a plane to crash and this person to wash up shore so they can't take like a fucking super old decrepit body because people would be like that was a corpse before it even hit the water right and also they have to make it look like he died of drowning because they're going to do an autopsy they're not just going to get this body and go oh well here's a letter they have to make it look like uh that he died of drowning so they are trying to figure this out and and frankly if if i'm not kidding I can't believe that they just didn't kill someone, <laughs> uh-huh. and I'm and I, I'm actually not convinced that they didn't, and that all of what I'm about to tell you is a lie. That the British yeah. government said, "No, this is what we did," because to right. me, uh, not that I think that's the right thing to do, but if I'm in, uh, if I'm a war person, and Churchill was like fucking all about this, if I'm one of them people, I'd be like, "Well, we could just shoot someone, you know, uh-huh. take somebody that's been court-martialed and just shoot them, and then we'll do this." But according to this story, that is not what they did. So they have to go down uh to the morgue uh where they find this fella named, I believe his name was Bentley Purchase, a mm-hmm. just tremendous British name, Bentley Purchase. I just you- SoundCloud. You know,
2: so <laughs> so, Bentley so that- Purchase. That's one of my favorite little Wayne songs <laughs>
3: and activities. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, so they tell this dude, the more they're like, yo, this is official classified business. We need a dead guy. And that guy was like, well, I mean, shit, I got a dead guy. I got, I'm lousy mm-hmm. with dead guys. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, but here's the deal. Uh, it needs to be someone that didn't shoot themselves in the head. Cause we can't have a wound like that. It can't be, you know, they can't have any type of marks on their body. It's gotta be someone who just passed away naturally and you'd think like, oh, people pass away naturally all the time. Sure, of course they do, but not war age people. You know what I mean? This has to be a right. young yep. person. This has to yep, be a yep, young yep. person that on the outside, it looks like they just, they drowned. So mm-hmm. the guy, the guy goes, all right, I, I think I may have someone. And they pull up this dead guy named Glenda Weir Michael. Uh, He was a homeless man who had died of rat poison and he'd only been there a few days. Now, there was speculation on uh, at first they said this guy killed himself. But then during the initial autopsy, they found bread in his stomach and they found that that was probably where the rat poison was. So really, even more sadly, what had happened was this guy was destitute. He found a piece of bread to eat and the bread had rat poison on it and
2: he died right? So now... Yeah, that they, probably wasn't an accident, I assume. <laughs> they were, yeah, right, know. right, right, right. It's like, yeah, they're, that rat poison was t- doing double duty as hobo poison, I'm assuming. Uh, For sure. And And again,
3: like, I'm not convinced that any of this is true. Like, I wouldn't... I just, like, as much as we know about how governments are, especially during war, I do not put it past them to have just killed a soldier <laughs> and done this mm-hmm. shit. So... Anyways, he'd been there a few days, so they're like, all right, he's kind of perfect, but we need to keep him as he is. So now the the clock's ticking. They got to get their plan going because this guy can't decompose any more than he already is. So they're having to keep him cold, but they can't keep him too cold because when you freeze a human body, the internal organs and fluids like crystallize in a way that it would be very apparent to someone who knows anything about dead bodies doing an autopsy on it right so they've got to make make it look like he's drowning so they've got to get syringes and fill his lungs up with water right they've also got to give him a badge and they've got to give him an id card Like when he goes over there, he can't just be a body. He's got to be in the full regalia, you know, Mm -hmm. and they've got to have a picture of his face on a badge. Well, at first they just tried to do what a lot of trash people do at funerals and prop his ass up and take pictures of him and stuff. But they couldn't they couldn't get it to where he didn't look like he was dead. You know? right. Yeah,
2: that's. I would imagine that would be a problem in <laughs> yeah. photographing
3: a corpse. <laughs> like, they would try to, like, make him smile, yeah. and then it would just plunk, and then he would plunk over. Yeah. So finally, they, they were like, we can't fucking get this done. So they just had to, like, secretly go around military bases and stuff in Britain and find someone who looked a lot like him. And take a picture of this person, which like it makes sense when he's dead, it's going to be a little, you know, disconstrued or whatever. So they find someone that looks just like him. Um, But they also have to they can't none of this is enough. None of this is enough, because if you just have a person who washes up dead and has a badge on and has this letter, that's not going to make sense to anybody because that's not how a regular human being travels. A regular human being has personal effects. They have what spies call pocket litter and pocket litter is just ordinary stuff that when you find a dead body, you like stuff in their wallet, pictures in their wallet, receipts, something that you use Mm -hmm. to sort of create a narrative about this person. It would be something that a detective would use if they found a dead body. Right? So, they go, well, we've got to have stuff in his pocket. And then they decide, well, he needs a girlfriend, right? He needs a girlfriend, and we need to create a fake backstory for him. And also, we need there to be a love letter sent from his girlfriend. So they're now giving him the name Major William Martin. And William Martin will be in love with a lady named Pam. And this is where Jean Leslie and Hester Leggett come into play. So Hester was the head of the secretarial unit that was working on this operation. Like she's one of these dudes, like she's the typist for all this shit, like is important. And I'm not making a joke here, but as important as a woman could be in times of war, she was that right. And so, But she was a little bit old, so they're like, well, we can't use her picture. So they find this other lady who had heard about all this and was just like, I want this fucking gossip so bad. Her name was Jean Leslie, so they used a picture of her to put in his wallet as his girlfriend. Then they start writing up this letter. They've got a back and forth. There was like 10 or 12 drafts and shit like that. So they decided that what would be best was for this false information to be conveyed in a love letter instead of an actual military document, because that would look too on the nose. And they were like, and also a guy with this rank probably wouldn't be traveling with an official sealed document. But if him and his girlfriend just happened to be talking about the fact that they wanted to go to Sicily, that would make more sense. And by the way, you and Montague uh, and Jean Leslie, the guy that was running this Colin First character, they they ended up like role playing this to death. And they ended up in an actual relationship while they were faking being Martin and Pam. Right. So, yeah, very nice. Uh, So, another thing that happened was the secret Nazi folk uh, found that picture and recognized the girl from it as someone who worked in that office and came and threatened to kill her if she didn't, like, explain all the shit that was going on. So, she did, but luckily all this shit had gone down and worked before that, or they were able to apprehend that guy. So basically the canister, they put this dude in a canister. They've got this special ink that they had to use so that when the letter was in the water, it didn't run, but also didn't look like secret agent ink. So it was this whole fucking thing. Uh, The canister was discovered. He's in a canister by Spanish fishermen. The Spanish authorities took possession of him. They hand him over to the Germans. The false documents reached the Germans and actually hit fucking Hitler's desk. And he was like, oh my God, they're actually doing it. They're, They're going to Greece and Sardinia, these motherfuckers. So they pull troops out of Sicily to go to Greece and Sardinia. And then as soon as that happened, the fucking allies, go to Sicily, take it back over. And this was one of the most important things that ever happened in World War II. It almost guaranteed victory. It turned the tide completely and it was successful. Um, One last thing on this, Major Martin, who was the Glendivere dude, the, the homeless man that was dead, they buried him in Spain and they buried him under his military name because that's all they knew of him. For 50-something years, all of this was classified. And as soon as it got unclassified, they went over, British intelligence went over and amended his grave to give him military honors, bury him with military honors, and have it marked on his grave that he served as Major Martin in World War II and was an intricate part of the Allies achieving success. Well, that's a
2: lovely gesture. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So that's that's Operation Mincemeat, man. They fucking did it. They fooled Hitler. Uh, There were several times where it looked like it wasn't going to happen. But as I heard on a podcast that I was listening to called The World's Greatest Con, uh, there was an episode about this. They were talking about how um, humans aren't conned because they're stupid. Humans are conned because they're conned. And it, uh, humans are, humans are con because they're human. And at this moment, the perfect thing that they did was that they, the information that they gave Adolf Hitler was exactly what Adolf Hitler wanted to believe. So he believed it because he needed it so badly. So right. it was just all <clears throat> fucking perfect. Uh, there was also a couple things in there about, they, uh, they had this like, uh indian dude that they were getting information from but he wouldn't give them information unless one of the boy soldiers jacked him off but i forgot to get into that but uh yeah that's uh that's operation mincemeat trey pretty wild yeah sorry I, i wild stuff i blabbed for a long time do you have time for a couple air mails yeah i got time for a couple of them okay first off We've got Louise. Inquiring minds want to know: How many minutes after recording the coronation episode did you stop and whop yourselves upside the head as you remembered that the old guy in the funny hat is not the Archduke, but the archbishop of Canterbury? Um, I didn't realize it at the mm. time, but I was told on Twitter. So there you go, me being stupid. Uh, this it's is from this is from, <laughs> this is from Justin. Uh, subject line POA discord is starting to be active. We've known about this, me and Trey, but we don't know anything about discord. So please help everybody. If you could, apparently, if you go to discord, if you could, please share this with the POA community. We've been playing with the AI art and coming up with merch ideas. Plus I've set up a bot to post every new episode. It's a really good way to connect with the audience and possibly get ideas. Um, so apparently there is a putting on airs discord. So go to putting on air or go to discord, type in putting on airs. And there's a thing. I don't know how I feel about the AI art, but it all sounds pretty cool. Uh, to me, uh, subject line at all. Me, I haven't the app, but I don't, I haven't fucked with it in a while. So type in putting on airs. see what happens. Uh,
2: Nothing. I mean, I don't know much about discord. I've been added to, Communities, maybe I'm supposed to do it this I way. I think no, they added me server. and
3: I accepted it, and they've added you and you didn't accept it, is what they say.
2: What I mean, I haven't gotten any kind of so you're saying you're already on. They, they the... said
3: that I accepted it, but I don't remember doing that, which means they
2: sent it to me when I was drunk and I clicked something. You know what I mean? I haven't gotten any kind of I mean, not on my Discord app or anything. It doesn't matter, whatever. We'll yeah, try whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it I out. definitely did. I definitely did not. I do think that Discord. Either could be an important thing for the show. Um yeah, I agree. We should figure it out. I, what the fuck is going on? It, it doesn't matter.
3: Go ahead. Subject line. Dildos and finger banging hysterical women. Gents, good. love your show. Being the South African equivalent of a redneck, a boer, a boer, not a ruinic. I feel you guys big time. Your show hits good. <laughs> Heard you mention doctors trying to calm women down by giving them orgasms a couple times now. Look into the fancy doctor Henry Havelock Ellis. I only know about him because I lived in a house he lived in in London, UK. Keep the crazy Venn diagrams coming, boys. PS, I don't reckon you're drinking near enough corn liquor during the shows. <laughs> Fucking love this <laughs> guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Thanks for the shout-out. Super random insert in the middle of the podcast where Trey shouted out my hometown of Racine, Wisconsin. I don't think we're the home of the world's largest marble, though after 98 uh, seconds... (laughs) i was just hitting yeah go ahead though after 98 seconds of looking on google i couldn't really find where it is or if it even exists though although i don't think this mythical marble lives here i also can't completely rule it out we've got some other fun stuff in this humble lake town but no giant orbs to my knowledge anyways love the show emma duchess of racine uh and one more here subject line trash derby Hey, y'all, just listened to the episode where you wondered aloud about trash people at the Kentucky Derby. I'm pleased to inform you that we get the whole infield. Of course, there is no seating, so people take camping chairs and blankets. You're not allowed to go to the the, the paddock uh area where the fancy people see the horses before the races so if you really want to see an actual horse you have to make your way to the perimeter and soak up the few seconds it takes them to run by imagine a huge tailgating party without the trucks it's at its prime though when it rains because you know that don't keep the trash away they just get more creative and have mud wrestling and mud slides, shit like that the true trash aren't at church hill downs though don't worry they'll still partying Within a mile or so of the track, you'll find them having street parties, selling parking spots in their yards or barbecue out of the back of their trucks. The rest can be found all over town having getting getting drunk at cookouts on jungle juice, not mint juleps, playing cornhole and placing their bets by putting cash in a solo cup and drawing out a name. Love y'all like chicken, Jenny.
2: Hell yeah. That was hell, a hell yeah. Report right there, horse report.
3: Well, thank y'all so much for listening to the show. Remember, you can send all your air mail to puttingonairs at gmail.com. If you're only listening, you should watch it at watchpoa.com. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Continue to tell your friends. And I guess look up this damn Discord, huh? Yeah. All right. Stay stay fancy, motherfuckers. Stay fancy, motherfuckers. (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me. Here's
0: Lydia Loveless. One, two, mm-hmm. three, four. One, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit. Today we'll laugh and let or leave. And when they're wrong, they'll take you to a magical
3: place where if you call someone a
2: cut, nobody can.
0: They they keep it it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, airs, putting on airs.